This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee. You can find them online at carolinescoffee.com. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. We work hard at interviewing great guests and finding great topics, and it's all for free. Now, here's what you can do for us. Go to iTunes and subscribe to Homeschooling in Real Life. We've made it easy. There's a link right in the show notes. Better yet, subscribe, and when you're there, write out a review for us. Even better, subscribe, leave a review, and tell your homeschooling friends that Fletch and Kendra are here to encourage homeschoolers to live open and honest lives. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Join your hosts as they dive into difficult topics that you might not find covered at your local homeschooling convention. Veteran homeschooling parents Andy and Kendra Fletcher use humor, honesty, and grace to discuss just what it looks like to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to episode 89 of the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is called Spiritual Abuse Part 1. Are you ready for it, Kendra? I am ready, Fletch, because we have been asked to do this one. Yeah, this is going to be good. Hey, you know, as we get ready for this show, we got a lot of things going on here in Central California. The biggest is rain. Yeah, I, you know, I think maybe our listeners understand that there's a drought. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've said it 25 times, maybe. I'm, I mean, these podcasts go out evergreen, so you're going to listen to this forever, and it may not mean anything to you when you're listening to it, but it also is an active show right now, and the active issue is we've been in a drought, so it's been great. It's been pouring rain. There's snow in the hills, and you know what that means? Adventures for Fletch, the kids, and the dog. And that means mom stays home and drinks tea and <laughs> ignores the snow you and know, dreams of flip-flops. Yeah, part of the deal with Central California is the fog. Okay, so here's a funny thing. You know, you and I used to live in San Francisco. And what would, what do we always see on cable cars? Like, people know this, right? Cable cars in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And so it costs like $35 to ride them. No, I don't know what it is. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. It's, like, it's some, If you come to California, you'll see. It's expensive to ride the cable cars. But you do it because it's a tourist thing and it's kind of cool. You know, and so inevitably it'd be freezing cold in July and August because it's freezing cold in July and August in San Francisco. But there'd be some kid with pasty white legs in shorts and a t shirt freezing because he wants to live the California adventure. (laughs) But my favorite was the family that had all brand new Fisherman's Wharf sweatshirts. Who would ever buy those sweatshirts? (laughs) Only Unless people from Iowa who are freezing trying to experience <laughs> California. So Yeah. So people I don't think necessarily um know that we have bad weather too. You know. Yeah, and get, I, I realize. Hey, Michigan folks, don't sorry. write us all upset sorry. because yeah. you know we're complaining about fog. Right. <laughs> but but this the other thing about the Central Valley that I I don't even remember if we've mentioned this or not, eighty something episodes in, but we get this thing that is unique only to the Central Valley called Thule Fog. Oh, and the Thule deep, Fog, heavy. if you were to actually look it up on Wikipedia, I love the picture on Wikipedia because it's it's an aerial shot and really all you see is white. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so, deep, deep fog. And with deep that fog. can come Scary deep, fog. deep depression. 
yeah, <laughs> for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah, because they just don't see the sun. They right for weeks on end. So um, yeah, it's sort of an odd little phenomenon here. But um, yeah, I don't know. Are you feeling that way? No, but I know some of our listeners could. It's midwinter blues time. You know, yeah. they're midway through the school year, and they're like, "When do we get a break?" So, yeah. and I know we just came out of Christmas. I get it, but. But these deep winter days can be can be hard. So yeah, well, you know, I was literally looking at a math book last night and figuring out if we were halfway because if I, we weren't halfway, I was going to cry. <laughs> you know, because we've got to get through the rest of that math That's real book. Real life by for you, yeah. Summertime. So is that enough fluff? That oh, I think so. That's okay. certify. <laughs> that certifies certifiably <laughs> enough homeschooling in real life fluff. All right, let's uh, take a break. We'll be right back with our episode. Hey, this is Fletch, and I want you to listen to one of my favorite sounds. Mm, That is the sound of hot water being pushed through freshly ground coffee, which eventually leads to the pouring of coffee and then the drinking of coffee. One of my favorite things to do. You know, this podcast is sponsored in part by Caroline's Coffee out of Grass Valley, California. They are hand-roasting coffee, hand-packaging it, and sending it directly to your doorstep. And if you look at it, the cost of buying coffee online and having it sent to your door Uh, can sometimes be cheaper than the coffee you buy in the store. Now, I realize if you buy cheap coffee and all you want is canned, stale coffee, well, you'll be able to beat the price any day. But if you want freshly roasted, hand-roasted coffee that's a coffee bean you choose, uh, you know, buying coffee online and sending it to your door, that's the way to do it. And Caroline's Coffee is the place to do it especially when you use our code, which is H-I-R-L for HURL, our hurlers can go to carolinescoffee.com and get 10% off any coffee you want. You know, that's something I want you to do. As a listener of this podcast, uh, I'd love you to go to Caroline's Coffee and buy a pound of coffee. Try it yourself and tell me if you agree that this is really, really good coffee. You know, it's a way to sponsor a free podcast. Uh, Do something you love, get a pound of coffee, help us, and help Caroline's Coffee. Hey, thanks for doing that, and tell them that Fletch and Kendra sent you. So we are talking about spiritual abuse, and this topic came from a young woman who is a homeschool graduate, and she said, you've got to talk to these people about spiritual abuse. And it was Dale and Jonathan Fincher. She works mm. for them. And so we researched them, and they seemed like the kind of people that would actually be willing to talk to us. <laughs> Not everybody wants to. No. Mm, true. <laughs> you know, as being kind of slightly edgy um, homeschool topics, sometimes people avoid us, but... Spiritual abuse, what we did is we sat down, we split this into two shows, so this week and then next week, 
And um, this week we just started off with just some general topics about spiritual abuse, a really lively conversation. Mm. So um, it was really good. It was really good. And I'm not sure if all of us understand what spiritual abuse is. So I was very happy to dive into this with them and and realize that there were some things um, in my own life that needed to be pulled apart from following Jesus. Yeah, just so we know what it means again Mm -hmm. to do that. So it's so easy to fall into this trap. Why don't we do this? Why don't we play the interview and then we'll come back at the end. All right, so we want to unhinge a trap that many homeschoolers can find themselves in, and that's a trap of spiritual abuse. So we've invited two special guests to join us on the podcast tonight. It's taken us a few months, uh, but we want to welcome our guests, Dale and Jonalyn Fincher from Solation.org. Now, Jonalyn, I really wanted to begin with your bio. But when I was online, I read uh, about Dale. He's described as being an out-of-the-box storyteller and forest dweller whose favorite word is freedom. So can you tell me about his forest dwelling as we get started? (laughs) I'm supposed to tell about a forest dwelling. I I happen to live with him in the forest. Okay, so you're both forest dwellers. both are forest dwellers. (laughs) Well, hey, we we want to welcome you to our show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about where you are in the nation and kind of a little bit about yourselves? Yes, we're up in northwest Colorado in Steamboat Springs. It's a ski town, and it will not stop snowing this winter. I've probably shoveled over 200 inches of snow already. But we started Solation uh, over 10 years ago. We'll be entering our 11th year um, this spring. Help, and it originally, was to fuse apologetics together with soul and formation, spiritual formation. And, uh, and it's kind of evolved over the years to... Um, address the, I think, the deeper needs of why is the, has the church found itself so dysfunctional today? Not just the, from the point of we need to have some sort of new renaissance in the church, but so many people are burned out and just tired of it and leaving and trying to help them reimagine who Jesus is and that he might not be all that they were told that he is. So we've been, uh, we've been public speaking on this and on the road for a long time. Um, and three years ago, I started a community that's kind of like a subset of Solation called the Freedom Builders. And it was all people who resonated with the idea of, like, I feel like an exile of the church, and I care about Jesus, or I think I do, or I want to, and I, uh, I want to rebuild my faith in a, in a healthy way that can stand up to not only the scrutiny and the naysayers in the church, but also stand up to the world around us. Yeah. Yeah, our goal is really to help Christians hold on to and love their faith. And our end goal is not just to answer the problem of spiritual abuse or sexual abuse, which both are rampant in many church and Christian circles, but to help people become more fully human, to enjoy the good life. And that's where our forest dwelling really comes in. Yeah, we needed to uh, be closer <laughs> to nature. We, yeah. My wife, John and I were married in Los Angeles. She grew up in that area. And... Um, I just yearned to be closer to nature and away from as much concrete as possible because I found that it was uh, it was disconnecting me from my, what I think that God was pressing or nudging me into. And so, yeah, for now, we, we live in a forest, mm-hmm. and we have uh, retreats out here. And, uh, I mean, life is good. We're, we're excited about the response that we get from people all over the country, all over the world, 
in fact, saying, thank you for articulating this. You're giving words to things that I've always felt or things that I've seen or um, things that I want to see. So let's, let's have a conversation. Well, we are trying to create a community in, in sorts on a, in homeschooling real life, but even bigger, that we have defined uh, that lives fearlessly, recklessly, and free uh, because their hope is in Christ alone. Uh, and it sounds like those are similar goals, uh, uh, at least on a small part with freedom builders, but in general at large um, with Solation. So um, what has been, at least what has been the response? You said you've been happy with the response. What's been the response from the church to what you've been doing? It really depends on how you define church. I mean, I see it as C.S. Lewis said, stretched out over the centuries, much larger than just those who show up on Sunday morning or evening. So it, it really depends if you mean the church formally or the church, you know, majestic. <laughs> How many people are you talking about? Which group are you talking about when you ask that question? <laughs> With the response from churches or what we typically think of as churches, it, you know, it's really been a mixed bag. And you can sometimes feel, uh, sense the, the awareness or the dysfunction going on in, mm-hmm. uh, among even among church leadership where they're either quick to dismiss you as saying, oh, you must be one of the liberal people, or you must be emergent, or you must be all whatever the, the label is that they know they can throw out there to separate you from them so they don't have to, to listen. Mm. Um, you'll hear those kinds of people. But then, then you'll also hear pastors will say, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for helping the people in my congregation. We want to be not only a transparent organization, trans- have transparent leadership, but we want to be able to um, get to the root of these dysfunctions before they grow into things. But I would say overall that it is the exiles from the church who are resonating the most. And it is not church organizations that are excited about this conversation. I think there's a lot of threat going on. I think that a lot of, you know, the last few decades of what this, you know, church movement and and, an explosion of we got to get church plants all over the country we have to rebuild some sort of political base we need to make you know make these things seeker friendly or attractive friendly or we're going to be teaching churches or whatever however these things all get marketed the people who are looking for the authentic life will see some of those and say yeah that really helped me when i was younger in my faith but many of them just say it just doesn't do it it's not substantial enough you know it's like uh we're doing church the way, you know, like candy stores for many people. It's kind of like you go in and you get the sweets and you're really excited, but then you have burnout halfway through the week and you got to get back to the candy store again to get back up on your feet. Sugar crush. And and eventually <laughs> people are just like, "Is really, is this what Jesus is about? Is this why Jesus rose from the dead? And it just doesn't seem to have a significance in everyday life. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, we, we have a joke that a lot of people that do find us um, end up leaving their church. Um, partly because they found they were looking for us because they were looking for something, something more tangible. They were they were they were unsatisfied with where they were, but uh, many of them just realize they they want to get out and they want to go somewhere else. So even in our networking, where we say, you know what, we know some leaders in this church, we'd like to work with them to see if we can partner with that church. What ends up happening is conflict among the leaders, and then they get out because they're actually getting healthy in a dysfunctional place. The hard thing is, and it speaks to the, the, the three words you, you shared, you know, to be, to be reckless and, and to be free um, is to uh, have the courage to say, when I find the truth, I need to stand in it. 
we have not cultivated um, a very strong virtue in our typical modern consumerist churches to stand alone with courage. It's hard. It's hard to stand alone. It's hard for anybody to do it. But if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we had to be able to do the things that he did. So he's in the middle of a spiritually abusive environment throughout his entire ministry, and he stood alone. And people came to him, and people rejected him, and people killed him. And he did it the whole way with God at his side and a mission in front of him and not worried about um, the barbs and stings and misunderstandings of others. And are we willing to go there? One of the, re- well, I don't think, I know one of the reasons we wanted to have you as guests on this show is that we see in the history of the homeschooling movement, and for us, that's been about almost 20 years for our family. Um, so we were not the bushwhacking homeschoolers, and we, we came to it accidentally. Uh, it was I said, I will never do that. <laughs> And then, you know, there were, then we had this, this very precocious four-year-old that sort of dumped me into this homeschooling thing. And so, you know, there is a history here of so many, um, unhealthy leaders and, um, focus groups or whatever you want to call it within the homeschooling, uh, recent history, say since the seventies and eighties. Um, and, we have seen personally and experienced ourselves quite a lot of spiritual abu- abuse within that community. I want to hear what your thoughts are there and what you have seen and experienced uh, in terms of spiritual abuse in the homeschooling community at large. Sure. I remember growing up, um, my mom had a book on her shelf called, you know, what was the, the Basic Youth Institutes? Was oh, that yeah. Bill Gothard. Basic, uh, basic Youth know, Conflicts. That's right. And, uh, you know, Gothard is a huge front runner of the, of the recent homeschooling movement. I, I mean, of the last, you know, several decades, I remember having friends in it, you know, they had many, many children and they all just kind of retreated into their home eventually. Mm. And I mean, I grew up with the Abeka book curriculum put out by, you know, Pensacola Christian College. And I eventually went to Pensacola Christian College. And, and now it's the largest Christian school curriculum around the world. And they homeschool countless students how many thousand are in in their in their online academy they have 60,000 online homeschooling homeschool students it's still very accessible and it feels very safe and it feels like it's going to do everything that the public school would not do you know it's Mm. like this this enclave of protection from the big bad world a chance to make your children shine and I think of the reason I've been drawn to home education, uh, even though we're not doing that right now, is because I want children who are brighter, who are more exceptional, who are um, able to actualize all their God-given gifts. It's um, it's a fabulous way as an overachiever type A personality, which I am, <laughs> to find all the desires of my heart filled up to the brim and my children can go out as ambassadors of the gospel. I mean, it seems to, to hit every one of the felt needs of a mother of Christian children. And I think in all of the places that it attracts people, it's also the places it entraps them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. You said you when you were talking, you were saying, I want, you know, they can be an ambassador for the gospel. But I almost thought you were going to say, 
and it would make them great ambassadors of me <laughs> because really, <laughs> you know, because I think if we're really honest as parents and as, you know, as but it's true. I mean, I think, you know, as Christian parents, really so much of our own, um, identity issues and pride and, you know, um, validation is just wrapped up in what we produce in these kids. Yes. And that, that's, I think, part of it. And what feeds it when you talk about the different spiritual dysfunctions. So I, we mentioned Gothard and Pensacola Christian College. I went to Pensacola Christian College. I had my whole story of spiritual abuse that I made in a video series. It's on my blog at mm. freeatlast.me. And and it's, it's a place that is sparkling on the outside, mm. but it is dark on the inside. Mm-hmm. And you have another group that's – so Pensacola, Gothard, both very spiritually abusive places. And you have Bob Jones University, which also has their own homeschooling Christian school textbook publication yeah. that competes with Pensacola. So Pensacola is the largest. Bob Jones is really competing hard. This represents hundreds and hundreds of thousands of not just a family, you know, not just the kids, but the families mm-hmm. that are in this appearance-driven oversimplification of the gospel so that we can hunker down as separatists with our authoritarian lifestyle to control and manipulate the behavior of kids so that they will be well-pleasing to our subculture, <laughs> thinking this is what's well-pleasing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not making people who can actually stand tall in the world. We're making, oh, I don't even want to say it. No, do no, go say it. Because <laughs> if you say it, it's cool. Because it's not us but saying it. In some, in some ways, we are veering into cult territory. Oh, there it is. I knew it. <laughs> I knew if I was fishing deep enough, I could get the word cult in there. As, as Fletch likes to call them, homeschool whack jobs. Really, yeah, that's that's yeah. a term I've used often on this podcast, and I get grief and, and, for it. But then I realize, you know, there there are times I've said, "Hey, you know, you're you're behaving just like a cult." Yes. You know, you don't see it. But it's going on, mm-hmm. and uh, and I like to sometimes say it, and then that feathers get ruffled. But it had to be mm-hmm. said. At least it's out on the table, and we can now start, you know, right. talking about this. And, and, and people get confused because if you say the word cult immediately, among especially among these groups, and I came out, I came out of this kind of world. I was Christian school educated, but I wasn't in homeschool. But when you say the word cult, they're automatically thinking a doctrinal cult. They're thinking somebody who doesn't believe the gospel, like that Jesus isn't God or he really didn't die on the cross, really didn't rise from the dead. His atonement doesn't cover your sin, whatever. But there's there's doctrinal cults, but there's also sociological cults. Mm -hmm. And this is – doctrinal cults often are sociological, but you can have your doctrine all look great on a piece of paper. But have all of the mind control, the brainwashing, the dehumanizing, and the authoritarian um, attitudes – and the selective passages of scripture to justify all your sociological cultish behavior. I mean, we know them. I can tell you exactly which verses some of the people listening to this, to this broadcast are going to bring up. Well, that's wrong because it says here that we are supposed to avoid even the appearance of evil. Out of context, yes. And it says here we're supposed to come ye therefore and be separate. And every one of those, every one of those are things that we address in our Freedom Builders community and are constantly trying to re re, um, present the word of God as something that offers freedom, not bondage. Yeah. So you can be orthodox on paper, but be really screwed up in how you think that you're supposed to live out in the world based on twisting the scripture. Mm -hmm. And that's a big hurdle people have to overcome when they come out of this. Most, many people just throw it all away. Some people have to wrestle for years and years to untwist the twisting. Mm-hmm. Something that blows my mind continually is that God allows his word to be so twisted yeah. year after year after year. He's, he's not, 
he has a lot more freedom. He dignifies the will much more than I would. So let's maybe talk a little bit about this idea of movements. Um, I know this is uh, something that, you know, as I was, as we were putting together tonight, this is something that, you know, kind of rose to the top for me because in fact, we call it a movement. It's the homeschooling movement. You know, it's the, uh, whatever the other things that Christians like to jump onto right now. But for our guests, let's talk about this. What, what is the deal with a movement? Any thoughts <laughs> right. on that? Uh, yeah, Sorry, a I, short I, thought move, on that? Move, primarily, if you ask me what's a movement, my very first reaction is it is a marketing term to make you sound more important than you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. t- often people take trends and call them movements, you know? What's oh, the difference to you? Between I, would, I would say a, a trend is almost like a, a fleeting, fashionable thing to be doing right now. Okay. A movement to me is something like the Reformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a lot bigger than it. Uh, a movement is something like even the Cultural Revolution in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. You know, but movement is thrown around so much today. In fact, they even tell you to use those words in marketing. Use the word movement. You know, Bernie Sanders is doing a movement. Donald mm. Trump is a part of a movement. If you listen to their yeah. advertising, it's all the same stuff. So when we say that we're part of a movement, it really is to heighten what we're doing to make it sound like it's important, that maybe there's a mysterious force behind it that's mm-hmm. guiding us all to do this. Holy and Spirit. of course, you can't, we call it the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, don't resist the spirit that's moving. You need it's to climb anointed. on board. This movement is anointed. You know, we have all these great words we use to baptize the experience. It's, it's very almost, emotionally driven. It's high octane yes. emotional. It's almost like the movement or life is like this wave and you better get on the yeah, surfboard and ride it or, or else you're going to get clobbered. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get knocked out. I was thinking of the purity movement and how I mean, shame is often a tactic within spiritually abusive communities. Not often. It always is. And if you weren't doing the courtship model, um, Joshua Harris, Harris. Mm-hmm. if you weren't, Wearing your purity ring. If you weren't as I was, I'll, if you, I'm not supposed to have sex. I'll go, I'll one up all of you and I won't kiss a guy until I'm engaged. You know, just this sort of like one upmanship and everyone who's not doing what mm-hmm. I'm doing mm-hmm. is not just sinning. It's worse than that. God actually doesn't like you. Hey, you know, I want to take a, I want to talk about this specifically, the purity culture, because this is something we've jumped into several times on our podcast and I want to go down this, but let's take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back. On the road again, just can't wait to get on the road again. Fletch, we've been asked to speak this year together. I am so excited. We're going to Indianapolis. We are, and that is the last weekend of April, and we would love to see our hurlers there. If they're from Indianapolis. Right. right? Well, we do want people to come in from Kansas for this one. Absolutely. How how far is Kansas from Indianapolis? (laughs) You know what? Here's the way it works. Yeah, this is the way it works, people. As you leave California, I don't know. (laughs) And then eventually you hit the East Coast. I know where Texas is. I know where that's Florida. We're terrible. We're horrible. And we're homeschoolers. So we're going to be in Indianapolis end of April. Yes, but let me tell you a few more dates because just in case we've got listeners out there who might be at any of these events, I really want to meet you all. So I'm going to be in Birmingham at the Refresh Retreat on February 19th through 21st. Then I'll be in the Teach Them Diligently convention in Nashville, Tennessee on March 17th through 19th. Um, Then, like we said, Indianapolis, the two of us will be there at the end of April. And then in May, I'll be in Sandusky, Ohio at Teach Them Diligently. 
Uh, that would be May 12th through 14th. And then I'll be back in California for two more. One is the Tri-Counties Home Education Network in Santa Rosa. Um, and that's the weekend of May 20th. And then the Valley Home Educators Convention right here in Modesto. Finally in hometown. But I, I would recommend the Santa Rosa one if you want to come to California. Yes. Santa Rosa's killer. You're it's north of the Golden Gate Bridge. You're right, up in the right. wine country. It's great. All right, so that's our speaking schedule. We hope you'll come out to see us. Remember, if you see us, do not be afraid to come up and talk to us. We're not untouchable. Matter of fact, we want to take a selfie. We want to take a groupie. Oh, my goodness. We're excited to meet you. Yeah. So make sure you do it, and we'll see you somewhere on the road. Just can't wait to get on the road again. All right. We're back. We were just uh, before the break talking about the purity culture, and you brought it up. But um, any more thoughts that we can put into this? A good thing or a bad thing? Because purity is good. I mean, that's a good thing. Purity. All things, you know, let's look for pure, If noble. truly we were all pure to begin yeah, with. Okay, <laughs> there we go. What I have found in the purity culture, the very word purity itself has a connotation today that if just one drop, and this is something from Dale's education, mm. if you have a glass of water and you just put one drop of dog poop in it, <laughs> just a tiny little bit, tiny little mess up. No one wants to drink that water. And so what happens is, unless you live in a sort of sexual anorexia, which is its own problem, you end up feeling tainted. Mm-hmm. For girls, this is much more shameful even than guys, but what happens is that the metaphor of purity does damage to our humanity. Mm. So our, our fascination with the power of sexuality, I mean, nothing else is quite like this. It gets bottled up. It gets turned into stuffing and then it, 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 it screams for attention in acting out ways or it turns into, like I said, sexual anorexia. Or as, like, as you like to say, that both the church and the world dislikes virgins because in the world it's like you need to give up your virginity, but in the church you need to hurry up and get married because there's something wrong with you that you're still single. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There's no, there isn't actual stewardship of sexuality. And so the purity culture has created this problem, and this is something Dr. Tina um, Sellers pointed out to me, and that is she was finding a, a, a scary connection between those men and women who went through the purity culture and their experiences and understanding of their sexuality and those men and women who had gone through sexual abuse, their mm-hmm. self-loathing, their coping mechanisms, the way they acted out were very similar. And so she began to do research on the messaging that was done in the purity culture and how similarly it affected the body and the soul of these Christians as sexual abuse affects victims. And that, and that blew me blew me away, and yet I, I, it resonated, and I've seen it in my own life. At the heart of, at the heart of both of them is a, is a dehumanizing narrative. There's something about you that is so shameful and so disgusting and so scary and so... Uh, embarrassing to me as your mother or your father. We need to have a talk. We need to sit you down. We need to get it over with. And then we really are not going to bring it up again. And you shame to motivate you and to to put you under somebody else's control, which is what abuse is. Because frankly, sexuality freaks us all out. I'm I'm sweating right now just talking about this with you guys. Are you really? (laughs) Yes. You're in Steamboat Steamboat Springs. My (laughs) My goodness. So, you know, part of it in this, this is where we can get really real with our audience. We have parents that, A, don't know how to talk about it. So, you know, we've we've kind of done a few episodes saying, hey, you know, it's okay to have this conversation. It's okay to have real conversations. Start younger than you think. That was what we found. Uh, Kids said too little, 
too late. You know, yes, so not enough information absolutely. and you're getting to the topic too late. Now, we are pushing our kids into this box and saying, no, 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 no. And then when they get married, we aren't even saying, yes, 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 yes. We're just, and now you're married. And then these young adults, uh, young, newly married, perfect looking Christian kids, uh, the guys are running to porn. Or already have. Already are, they they already have, the and they're just yeah. continuing it. Mm-hmm. But you're released into marriage, which, you know, that's was what we're waiting for in this purity culture. Right. Wait till marriage, wait till marriage, wait till marriage. Then you release in marriage and these kids are just dysfunctional. Well, and, yeah. and couple that with the fact that, you know, the older I get and having been raised in that, you know, very heavy Dobson uh, focus on the family sort of 1980s. I graduated high school in 88. So that was right in the, you know, middle of, of all of that kind of stuff coming out and purity rings were starting and all that stuff. And so, you know, then we hit this this whole marriage thing and you know all of that and somehow i have to realize that now it's go time and yet you know what does <laughs> yeah. that even look like and ah <laughs> uh, you know it's just you know i actually i think in in i mean i think that's a fabulous example of how different the generational divide is on this issue and yet at the same time there's a really nice segue between sexual purity movement stuff and spiritual abuse is the idea that our desires as humans are so flawed that our heart is so desperately wicked that if I have a desire for something sexually, it needs to be bottled up until I'm married. And then it could go crazy because the marriage bed is undefiled, right? And again, using scripture out of context. <laughs> and what I have found is that when people come out of spiritually abusive places and they come to us and join the Freedom Builders, one of the big aha moments is, are you telling me that God's remade my desires so that I can trace my desires back to who God is and how he made me on purpose? Are you telling me I don't have to crucify everything I've ever wanted? That that that's almost a scary wide open field. You mean as Dale would say to me, you mean I don't have to go to some place in Africa and marry someone I'm really not attracted to? You mean God <laughs> wouldn't do that to me? God would actually want me to use my desires for 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 something that I already want to do. That He's excited about making me happy. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible He even gave you those desires? Wait right. a minute. whops that was an accident yeah right (laughs) i think one of the the hearts of the issue of the for me of the purity it's hard to say in a movement but the uh, (laughs) of really the the purity trend and that subculture that really embraced that narrative was that we were coming to the table pretending we were pure and we thought of our sexuality as some sort of like a commodity or something that was attached to us and so it's like, well, don't take this commodity to all these wrong places and don't use it in all these wrong ways. But the reality of it is, is that um, we are already an impure, broken people. Mm. And so the sexuality and the way I'm acting out is actually downstream or it is a symptom of something deeper that's going on in me. So if I have sexual dysfunction because I don't want to sleep with my wife, like at this conference, the issue is not get your man to stop looking at porn because mm. he's looking at porn for a reason. And it's not simply because to have sexual fulfillment. It's because there's a deeper emotional 
need here that is not being addressed. And whether he had porn or not, it's very likely that he still wouldn't be sleeping with his wife. Mm. Just like many wives don't like to sleep with their husbands because their emotional needs aren't being met. And we have done a, a huge disservice, especially in um, in American culture, with a b- broken view, deeply broken view of masculinity as the one who's the adventurer, the one who's always providing and protecting, which means he has to be an invulnerable shield who would be better off dying on the white horse he rode in on than to ever fall off of it. Mm. He has that expectation, and it gets reinforced with a a totally erroneous view of scripture. So that we're propping up an American broken masculinity and we're calling it biblical. Biblical manhood. We call it biblical manhood. We call it being wild at heart. We call it whatever, which is actually, it awakens some men in some ways to say, yeah, I need to get off the couch and stop playing video games all the time and figure out something to do with my life. Fine. It may help some of those people, but on the larger spectrum, it doesn't bring men out of their adolescence and it doesn't make them into good men because a good man who is functioning properly in his heart, unless there's some sort of physical defect with him, is also functioning well in his areas um, of his life where he is intimate and close and bonded with his spouse and with even with his friends. Yeah, that, that's so, so good. That's there's so a lot good. going on in which the purity culture did a huge disservice it was, to what it meant to be human and what it meant to um to live out whatever we're living out. If your if your kid is sleeping around and they lost their virginity when they were in ninth grade, the question is is not or the or the action is not stop doing that. The question is why do you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Well and then you add the whole parenting component to that and somehow we have communicated that all of Christian parenting hinges upon the fact of whether your child has been sexually pure or not. I mean, you could have you could have a kid who gets all the way to marriage without kissing that girl until the altar, right? And touching her. And then but he's the biggest jerk. You know, he's extremely yeah. self-centered. He's a liar. He's <laughs> he's a whitewashed tomb. He's Which, a Pharisee. But that's you know totally that's fine. Not make him good in bed. He's no. doing impossible. He's and, not going to well, have a sex life because of all these other characters. But his parents but, but his parents, parents did a good job. Great, yeah. That's right, boy. But they. But then you have the kid who you know who 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 slips and and you know gets a girlfriend pregnant. But he's mm-hmm. he loves Jesus and he's mm-hmm. repentant and he's you know like dang I blew it. But hey, let's yes. move forward and I'm forgiven and. But the parents you know walk away in but shame. It's all yes. shame, entirely covered in shame, and yeah. somehow That's we have communicated so the wrong things here. Uh, you know that we we t- this is one of the things I know we were going to talk about um, eventually is you know how do you kind of get out of all this? But what you're referring to is um, the way we build a false identity around the roles that we play. And parenting is a major one that has been built up as, I mean, I hate oh, to yeah. use the word idol because oh, that is. word is used too flippantly, but oh. it's like, an, it is like an idol in our life, an identity marker in our life. Yes. That literally needs to be shattered because you are not a parent in your identity. It's only a role you play. Your identity is something else and standing firm in what your identity is then allows your parenting to be total screw up and be like, that's okay. (laughs) But when everybody has this little cultural standard around you, looking down their noses at you because all of their identities are in the wrong place, then Mm -hmm. it's a recipe for ugliness. And how on earth do we attach Jesus to this is uh, beyond me. Right. Well, this conversation is going exactly where we wanted it, but we do need to take a break. And actually, this is going to be a place where we break it 
directly in two. And we are going to encourage our listeners to hang in there one more week. And we're going to finish up the second part of this uh, interview with the Finchers next week. So let's uh, let's take a break here. I know it's like at the height of this, but we'll keep talking. <laughs> and we're going to bring people back. But uh, Finchers, we want to thank you so much for joining us on this first part. Uh, if our listeners want to find out more about you, uh, where on the internet should they go? Yes, our website is solation.org. Solation is spelled S-O-U-L, like soul, A-T-I-O-N. And they can check out our blogs and our online community to helping people recover, helping people recover from spiritual abuse. They're called the Freedom Builders. And we have a great bookstore there for more resources. And they can connect all your social media accounts individually from that site? Absolutely. They can also find us at Facebook slash Salation as well as at Salation on Twitter. Okay. Hey, thanks for being with us tonight. And we are going to uh, continue this conversation. Thank you. So that was a great interview with Dale and John Lynn. I'm looking forward to part two next week. Yeah, and I think our readers need to know that if you're still a little confused about what all we're talking about here, we get into some very um, specific definitions and conversations next Yeah, time. more practical stuff. And mm-hmm. then I think we're going to have some exclusive content when all this is over. Absolutely. Because we did kind of go off the rails <laughs> uh, yeah. with this discussion at a few parts. And we've decided rather than put that in the general uh, interview, we'll save that for some exclusive for people who have discerning ears and mm. maybe can listen a little more privately without their kids listening in. Yeah, there were some there were some sensitive um, topics that maybe you don't want kids hearing yet. Yeah, so that'll be uh, in the exclusive stuff. So let's get on to letters from listeners. This one came in, you know, uh, during our break, and I'm just going to keep it a little private. It came in from someone named Jennifer, but Kendra, listen to this. She wrote, the main reason I'm writing today is to say thank you. I think you may have saved my family, my marriage, my life. I recently listened to the podcast about depression and homeschooling and visited the links you posted and realized that what I have been experiencing lately, and as I think back for a long time, is depression. I am going to get help again. In addition to hearing that podcast today, I listened to the most recent one about losing yourself, and that is something both my husband and I are experiencing. And she went on to share a little more details of her story. She has two sets of twins. Um, but you know, when she listened to our podcast, she realized that every single one of the symptoms of depression that we discussed, it just became glaringly clear to her that she needed to get back into counseling. And she finished her email saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep doing what you do with this podcast and blogging and speaking because y'all, so I don't, maybe she's from down south, hey. because y'all are more, are most certainly making a difference in people's lives. You know what? Thank you so much sending that email mm-hmm. into us. Um, the interesting thing about this email is that we're getting back on the phone with Melanie Wilson to talk about what? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that elusive or maybe dangerous or maybe very helpful idea of me time. So, How's that prefer- provocative? <laughs> yeah, boy, that's good. And that's going to be after our spiritual abuse episode. So it's coming right up. So yeah. thank you again so much. You know, if you want to write into us, you can contact us at info at homeschoolingirl.com. You know, if you write a review for us on iTunes, we'll read that as well uh, on the air. You know, we'd love to hear what you have to say, and we'll respond to it. And this one, this one blew my socks off. It was again in the middle of the break, and I was just like, "Wow!" You know, there are times when we want to stop home or stop the podcast 
and we've thought, what's the life of this podcast? And then you get an email like that, and it's not about us. It's just about the people we bring on and the topics and kind of that whole idea of just living real life. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, next week we are on part two of spiritual abuse. But in the meantime, if you want to reach out to us, Let's go through all the ways they can do that. Okay. Well, the very first one would be at homeschoolingirl.com. That is our website with blog posts and all kinds of other little goodies. Um, you can also subscribe in iTunes, and that's just simply by going to iTunes and searching for Homeschooling IRL. You can find us on Facebook at Homeschooling IRL. At, sorry. You can find us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL and on Twitter at homeschool IRL. And of course, we want you to become part of this community. Now, becoming part of the community, you go onto our website, homeschoolingirl.com slash subscribe, and you'll get everything. It'll come to you. You'll get special end of the month newsletters. That's Kendra like spends all night working on these things. <laughs> I don't, she but it's just to help. She shows me her computer <laughs> when she's done, and then we send them out to you, no. and you love them. There's a good recap, and then usually some really nice little coupon codes yeah. for different vendors. So we'd love you to be part of the community. Uh, in the meantime, we will be back next week. We can't wait to talk with you then. been listening to the homeschooling in real life podcast everything on this podcast was written and produced by andy and kendra fletcher for more information or if you would like to contact your hosts please visit them on homeschoolingirl.com